Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome to the Rusk Report on ESPN AM 1520. I've heard our guest Harry Wilson speak at numerous forums in the last five years. He ran a very strong race for New York State Comptroller. He's a very bright and successful international business leader who's strongly considering running for governor of New York State. He spoke at the Amherst Republican Committee dinner and had a tremendous response with New York State Republican Chairman Ed Cox and Erie County Republican Chairman Nick Langworthy. Harry Wilson is a former investor and restructuring expert in the U.S. He served in several high positions in the Obama U.S. Treasury Department and on President Obama's Auto Industry Task Force. He filed for office in 2010, running unopposed for the Republican primary for New York State Comptroller. He ran unsuccessfully against Thomas DiNapoli in the general election, and he came real close just six years ago. I think one of the closest statewide elections in decades. Our guest today, Harry Wilson, strongly considering running for governor of New York State. Well, while we're talking about that, are you going to run? What does it look like? <laughs> well, Brian, great to talk to you, and thank you for having me on. Uh, I am seriously considering running. It's uh, too early, I think, from my perspective at this point to have made a decision. We'll see how things play out over the next uh, you know, six to 12 months. But you know, when I look at New York State, I see, sadly, um, a lot of the same problems that I see in a lot of the corporate turnarounds I've done over the years, which is a complete lack of leadership, a lot of uh, great, hardworking people struggling to get by through no fault of their own, and problems that are totally fixable. You know, the problems in the state are, have been created by poor leadership, uh, frankly, of both parties, um, particularly of the dominant party in the state. Uh, this created the worst job climate in the country, the worst business climate in the country, the worst tax climate in the country, and failures across the board in every social policy program you can, you can name. And I think all that is fixable if people were more focused on delivering results for middle-class New Yorkers and less focused on press conferences and, and getting reelected. So that's, that's why uh, I'm looking hard at running. As you mentioned, I uh, ran in 2010. I'd never run for office before for anything uh, and almost beat uh, a popular incumbent. So I, I know what it takes to win in the state. I know what it takes to run a successful statewide campaign. And uh, you'll have to make a decision over the next uh, year or so whether this is the time to do that. Okay, now let's talk a little bit about taxes. Uh, the incumbent governor, who I think his numbers have gone down quite a bit in popularity because of the uh, Buffalo uh, Billion with, uh, I believe it's nine indictments. We're talking about mm -hmm. Andrew Cuomo. Uh, it's a real crisis. It's been on the front page of the New York City uh, newspapers with uh, plates of ziti because I believe these different individuals talked about payoffs, money as if it was ziti or macaroni or pasta, a sort of a callous attitude towards the taxpayer when they were receiving perhaps $150,000 to $175,000 salaries, Mr. Howe and Mr. Percoco. 
But the promise was from Andrew Cuomo years ago that he was going to cut state taxes. Now, my understanding is the state income tax is still about 8%. I haven't heard of any state income tax cutting. We're in Florida. It's zero. It's low in Texas. Throughout the country, it may be half or less uh, state income tax. And, And the problem is that most people understand that big executives want to get out of New York State because they don't want to pay 8% um, state income tax and perhaps a 3% city of New York tax on top of it when they can go to Florida or Texas and pay almost nothing. So uh, let's talk about the taxes. Where is it? I, I haven't heard of any state income tax cuts. Have you? No, no, it's uh, it's only the government's press materials and not anyone's uh, take-home uh, income, unfortunately, which is where the only place it really matters. Uh, it, look, you're exactly right, Brian. We have uh, our highest marginal rate is just under 9%. It's one of the highest in the country. Uh, it's a uh, deterrent for people to, to live in the state. Um, but what's even more profound and more problematic for most New Yorkers is we have the highest property taxes in the country. And you've got folks in western New York and central New York and really throughout the state paying property taxes that amount to almost 5% of the value of their home. And they can't sell their home because most people can't afford the level of taxes. Uh, and it's, it's incredibly unfair. It's all driven by mandates from the state that drive local taxes uh, as high as they are. And it's, it's the, 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 the worst part about it is no one takes ownership of it. So the governor and his colleagues in the assembly uh, can pass incredibly onerous regulations that make it really hard to create jobs and for small business people to hire people, which, of course, is what they want to do to hire and expand. And those regulations then lead to dramatically higher property taxes, the highest in the country. And it's just this vicious circle. Um, and so when you combine the highest property tax in the country, the high, you know, one of the highest income tax rates in the country, one of the highest corporate tax rates, you have this horrendous job climate that's led a ton of businesses to leave the country, at least sorry, leave the state, excuse me. Um, they've also left the country, too. That's a broader problem that comes out of Washington. Uh, but, you know, you look at what's happened to just east of you in Rochester and think about how many major corporations have left in the last 10 years. Uh, and that's had a tremendously uh, bad impact on, on the middle-class people who work there um, over the years, as well as the executives who work there, particularly the middle-class people. So I think the core problem is, and you touched on uh, the corruption issues that are uh, unfortunately rampant in Albany um, today, uh, there are two sides of the same coin. When you have a government that's so big, that takes so much money out of the pockets of working people, and then uses it to hand out favors to their cronies, whether it's you know to the Buffalo Billion and the allegations that are taking place about how those projects were awarded uh, to friends of the friends of the governor's administration, uh, or similar uh, corruption allegations in Albany and other places across the state, when a government is so big and so uh, lacking in transparency and so authoritative, it, it creates opportunities for corruption. And that's what you're seeing. And you're seeing people who either pad their own pockets, like you've had so many members of the legislature who have been forced to resign or indicted or convicted uh, because they're padding their own pockets with state dollars that were effectively part of a legislatively authorized slush fund. Uh, or you have you know, the allegations around the Buffalo Billion where people um, use public corruption to tilt projects towards favored um, friends of, friends of uh, the administration. Um, you know, a, a far superior approach, because it's, it's easy to criticize New York State government. It's, it's so 
it's been such a failure for so long and hasn't gotten any better in the current governor. The, the harder part is identifying a path to fix it, and that's where I really focus my energy and time, because ultimately, it, if you can't fix it, it's it's not going to be any better for, for people. And, and when I think about kind of the, it's basically flipping that same two sides of the same coin. A dramatically smaller government will leave a lot more money and resources and control and freedom in the hands of working people. Uh, I'll give you an example. The state spends almost $9 billion a year on economic development. This is a report from the Nonpartisan Citizens Budget Commission, so $8.6 billion a year. Uh, the, if you compare that to the corporate income tax, uh, you can make a 50% or better reduction in corporate income taxes and wipe out that economic development spending that's misspent. And you end up having a win-win. Corporations are better off because they pay less in taxes. Therefore, employees are better off because corporations can afford to create more jobs. And then you don't have people being picked because they're friends of the governor or friends of some elected legislator. Uh, and government becomes smaller. So it's, it's a win across the board, except for politicians who want to hand out favors to their friends and their campaign contributors. Um, so that, that's the philosophy I would approach uh, the government with. I think anybody with a business background like I have could do it. The problem is most people in politics approach it from the standpoint of a politician. What can I do to maximize my prospects for being reelected? And that leads them towards handing out favors as opposed to really trying to deliver results uh, for people to make their lives better. Very good. We're learning a great deal from very successful international business leader, investor and restructuring expert Harry J. Wilson on the Rust Report on ESPN AM 1520. If you're listening in Cheektowaga, New York, Montreal, or northern Florida, we'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. This station has received letters as far away as Scandinavia and New Zealand. We'd like to hear from you. Regarding the Ampol Legal newspaper, paper, Western New Yorkers love their traditions, and the Ampol Legal has been writing about Polish-American traditions and events for over 50 years. News and features from a Polish-American perspective can be found in this weekly newspaper, as well as recipes and a calendar of events. Don't miss out on the next cultural presentation or polka dance by reading the Ampol Legal. The Ampol Legal is available in many Tops and Wegmans food stores. For home delivery, call 716-835-9454. That's 716-835-9454 to have the latest news from Poland and Polonia in your mailbox each week. And also, October 27th, the Muscular Dystrophy Association is honoring Congressman and Mrs. Chris Collins and Dr. Laszlo Meckler, who's famous for his efforts with medical marijuana. And this will be at Salvatore's Italian Gardens from 6 to 10 p.m. Thursday, October 27th, with the Muscular Dystrophy Association. You can call 585-424-6560. That's 585-424-6560 to support the MDA 
to eliminate 43 neuromuscular diseases. A little bit more information about Harry Wilson, his early life and education. Harry Wilson is the son of Jim and Nikki Wilson. Jim was a resident of Johnstown, New York, and Nikki was born and raised in central Greece before moving to Johnstown. They currently reside in Chalmsford, Massachusetts. Jim was a bartender and Nikki was a housewife and later a sewing machine operator. Harry Wilson graduated as valedictorian from Johnson High School of Johnstown, New York. He graduated with a bachelor's degree in honors in government from, and MBA from Harvard, where he was president of the Harvard Republican Club in 91, where he was outspoken in his efforts to increase the club's appeal to women with a big tent approach. I'd like to thank those who've called regarding our recent guest, Bob Stahl, president of the MIT Club of Western New York, David Lipinoga, fighting drunk driving, and Charlie Joyce, National Republican Committee man from New York State. Uh, coming up, we'll have philanthropist Gene Knox, president of the Mangold Ranch, Megan Mangold, and Sandy Beckham about the 116th anniversary of the Cotter Fireboat. Let's talk about Startup New York, Harry Wilson. Uh, Assemblyman Robin Schiminger, a Democrat, has had hearings. He's been critical of the Startup New York program. He said that, I believe, for the $50 million in advertising, they've only correct, um, put forth 389 New York State jobs. Is this a failure? I mean, $50 million for 389 jobs? Governor Cuomo countered saying that Mr. Schiminger couldn't add. Where do you see it? Harry Wilson. Yeah, no, it's it's. Uh, I'm glad to see Democrats in the Assembly standing up and being counted on this issue because it is uh, effectively it's a total failure for the people of New York. It's effectively theft of public resources because the Cuomo administration has used this money to try to bolster his image, taxpayer money used to bolster his image, largely in state, and. It's done almost nothing to create jobs for people across the state. As you said, just under 400 jobs in over two years of this program, having spent all the money on TV ads as well as money on economic support. And the thing that, that uh, bothers me about it is it's, it's another example of this top-down, highly bureaucratic command and control system set up by the governor, just like we talked about on, you know, on, on other issues. And uh, it's, it, it clearly doesn't work. If we, instead we had a, you know, a more business-friendly state, like you have in so many other states across the country, that attracted corporations that wanted to locate here, because we have some of the best people in the country, we have some of the best universities in the country, we have enormous resources, we have you know, a great uh, urban centers across the state, upstate and downstate, we have enormous uh, resources that attract corporations, and if we just had a more business-friendly climate, they would want to come here instead of being bribed to come here, and that would create jobs. Let me give you a sense for Brian for just how preposterous some of these things the governors put money into, our taxpayer dollars into. You know, one of the programs uh, that's been supported by Startup New York is is a, a company called Dogways. Uh, Dogways has an app that connects dog owners. That's what it does. Now, listen, I, I love my dog. Mm-hmm. His name's Teddy. Wonderful dog. He's great with the kids. He's really cute. Okay. I don't need the government to take our tax dollars and use it to support an app so I can talk to other dog owners. I can talk to them when I walk my dog. <laughs> I can do that on my own. You're talking about and, taxpayer and, funds for yeah, an app for dogs? Startup New York program. And it's supposed to create 31 jobs. We have yet to identify that it's created any. But 
you know, we don't we don't work at Dogways. Uh, I don't know if anybody actually works at Dogways. Um, if you try to find it online, it's got only a handful of reviews. This is it, it's a project of questionable value to anybody. But it's well, is it legal to use taxpayer dog. money to push an app regarding dogs? I wonder about the legality. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I and mean, it, it sounds ridiculous. It, it is right. So it is, the thing that, that uh, is, is shocking to me that more people haven't dug into this because you have to kind of do some research and and all that. But when you dig into this, you know, so many of these ideas, and then you know, some of the some of the dollars involved have gone to established corporations that are headquartered out of state that may have bought a a business in the state. You go up and down the list, and there are very few of even the you know under four hundred jobs that identified that actually make sense to have government support much less that have been effective. So, you, so whether you look at it from the standpoint, okay, we've, we've blown tens of millions of dollars on TV ads that were ineffective, or you look at it from the standpoint of it's been a big distraction, focus of, of the administration with no results, or ultimately what matters to me most is the fact it's done basically nothing to help the people of the state of New York. It's a failure across the board. Um, Meanwhile, one thing that's near and dear to my heart, Brian, and I think this is this is a, a huge contrast in the way I look at economic development versus the way uh, most politicians, and certainly this governor, do, is government does have a role to play. I think it should be limited, and I think it should be focused on higher impact opportunities where the market is not focused. But you talked about my personal story, and I've been the beneficiary of the American dream in every element of my life. I've been incredibly, incredibly blessed in this country. And I, as I say to my kids all the time, there is no other place on earth where our story is even possible. Not China, not Britain, not France, not anywhere. And, and so that is unique to this country. And that story of you know, what I call human capital, of people being able to pull themselves up and achieve more because of the system we live in, is, I think, one of the great things about America. Now, well, the government, what the governor should be doing is figuring out ways to build upon that. How do we further develop that? Not by supporting apps to help dog owners connect with each other, but how do we actually build upon that? I'll give you an example. You know, we are going through tremendous changes in our economy. It's been happening, you know, really for the last 20 years of the digital age. And a lot of the job losses you see in upstate New York and across the industrial Midwest are driven by technology of replacing human labor. The, the hard part that people never talk, politicians don't talk about, but business people think about, is that's going to get worse over time. Was as, as increasing automation takes place in the warehouse or in the, in the car or in a truck with automated driving, and we're talking about changes over many, many years, not imminent, but over many years, you'll see millions of jobs today that are done by people that unfortunately won't be in the future. And a role government could and should play is helping businesses and people prepare for that, anticipating that and thinking about, okay, for the 900,000 people who work in, in warehouses, say, in the United States, who are going to ultimately um, and sadly lose their jobs to automation over, to, over long periods of time, how do we help those people find a better option over in, in life? How do we improve our universities? How do we improve our high schools? How do we provide job training and replacement training that makes sense and is effective as opposed to the morass of bad programs that are currently in place? That's the type of thing that a governor who's focused on helping people help themselves can play a huge role in if he or she understands how the economy works, understands how businesses work. But this notion of just handing out 
you know, tens of millions of taxpayer dollars to faulty apps that will never have a, a future and shouldn't be supported by the government is just inherently flawed and a, and a dangerous distraction and a waste of money. Our guest today is Harry J. Wilson, who's an investor and restructuring expert who's been given a lot of credit for saving General Motors from bankruptcy. He's thinking about running for governor of New York State as a Republican. He ran one of the tightest races in decades against Tom DiNapoli for controller of New York State. If you're listening in Buffalo, Toronto, or Manhattan, drop us a note. We'd like to hear from you. Please write to Brian Rusk, ESPN Radio, 500 Corporate Parkway, Suite 200, Buffalo, New York, 14226. A little bit more information about Harry Wilson. He worked for Blackstone Group and Goldman Sachs. He later became a partner at Silver Point Capital before his retirement at the age of 36. He joined Yahoo's board of directors in 2012. After career as money management executive, Harry Wilson left the business world to pursue charity work and public service at the incredible age of 36. Our guest today, I believe you're 45 years old today? Uh, 44 still, for another uh, two weeks. <laughs> 44, uh, amazing man who's thinking of running for governor of New York State, Harry Wilson. Let's talk about corruption. As I mentioned, We've seen many indictments with the Buffalo Billion in the last few weeks, with including two of the closest confidants of Governor Andrew Cuomo. And uh, it's just uh, been devastating. And I find it amazing that we've heard Governor Cuomo uh, condemn the sex talk of Donald Trump when he was getting divorced himself, Mr. Cuomo, he was talking about his wife's sex life. <laughs> so, I mean, it, it, it's quite amazing. He publicly accused his wife of having affairs, Andrew Cuomo did, and now he's criticizing Donald Trump's language. I, I, I was shocked. But let's talk about the corruption in New York State. Uh, we've had a controller go to jail. We've had uh, the Senate Majority Leader and the Assembly Speaker uh, arrested and um, being sentenced to prison. What's going on in New York? <laughs> Tell us, Harry Wilson. Sure, sure. Well, I think, you know, we do have, as you said, we have um, the highest per capita amount of indictments for legislature of any in the country. And that's compared to, obviously, every other state. But even thinking about some states that are notorious for their corruption, whether it's Louisiana or Illinois, we have uh, a worse record than any of them. And you say to yourself, why? And I think it's because of two or three structural things. I don't think folks who get elected in the state are any less ethical on the surface than other states. I think it's government is so big that it creates more opportunities for corruption, and therefore people fall victim to that more often uh, as a result. And there is a arrogance and institutional rigidity to the legislature that makes the folks in there bulletproof, you almost never see an incumbent lose the ballot box. They're much more likely to lose because to lose their seat because of an indictment or a conviction than they are from an election. And that level of of, of you know kind of statism of people staying in place for long periods of time and not feeling any competition is just really bad. You know, Shelley Silver is not accused of having committed any crimes in the first 20 years he's in the assembly. 
It was all in the last 20 years when he, he became entrenched and had effectively unlimited power. And so, yeah, how do you fix that? Obviously, it would be better to attract better people into public life. That's an important thing, and you see that in pockets of the state. You have, uh, you know, kind of great candidate like Chris Jacobs running for state senate. I think that's a, a good improvement in Western New York. But, but a big part of it is having more turnover, more competition, and uh, and you know, and having therefore kind of more robustness in public life. So, for example, term limits. You know, if you have term limits, you have a guaranteed turnover called every 12 years of a seat. Um, I think you'll have people who are much more interested in getting in there for short periods of time and making a difference rather than just holding a job for life. Um, so that's kind of one example. I think having more transparency around the budget process. You know, a lot of the stuff that these uh, recent convictions were about were about effectively slush funds where there was unallocated dollars that were handed out to discretion of the speaker or the governor uh, or whatever. And that's just, that is a bad policy, whether you're at a nonprofit, a business, or a government. Um, so creating transparency, creating term limits, creating more competition. And I would say, frankly, um, I say this to my Democratic friends, a more robust Republican Party. There are parts of the state where a Republican cannot get more than 4 6 or 8% of the vote. And that means that the Democrat who's in the office has absolutely no competition. They'll almost never be challenged in a primary, and therefore they have no uh, pressure on them to reevaluate where they stand, to think about whether they're doing a good job or not, to get out of the position. Competition is a good thing, whether you're in business, in sports, or in politics. And until we have more competition through term limits and a stronger Republican Party, um, I, I, I hate to say it, we're, we're going to see more um, of these corruption uh, uh, problems, unfortunately. Is the corruption of the Democratic Party and Governor Cuomo with the Buffalo Billion make it easier for a Republican like you to win? We have one minute left. Well, I think it's, I, I recognize it's an uphill fight to win as Republican in the state. I almost did it last time as a total rookie, having started late, never having run for office before. So I think if I combine what I learned from last time with the strength of my message and, and, and personal story, I think we have a, a very good shot at winning um, the governor's seat in the state. Uh, and I look forward to evaluating that and making a decision over the next uh, six to 12 months. We've learned a great deal from a man who's being considered as a Republican candidate for governor, the man who's been given the credit for saving General Motors with his advice and guidance, Harry J. Wilson. Special thanks to Kevin Carr, our director of production for the, for the past 15 years. And thank you to Jonathan Trichter for arranging this interview. We've learned a great deal from a gifted business leader, internationally regarded, Harry J. Wilson. Have a great week. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.